It's great to be back. And I have a, um, a, a very heavy word from the Lord. I feel very strongly about what he shared with me. And I'm just going to pray, and then I'm going to dive right into it. Pastor said I have about three hours. So <laughs> when the rabbi speaks, you know you're in trouble. Abba, we just thank you for your word. Your word is truth. May it pierce our hearts, Lord. May it change and transform us as it is as it can do and as always does, Lord. So we just bless you, Lord, and I just thank you for uh, open ears and open hearts for everyone that's here and everyone that's watching online. In the name of Jesus, the name of Yeshua, amen. So a few weeks ago, I was preparing uh, to leave. I was, gonna ma- I was preparing to make the pilgrimage from um, Apple Valley down to Corona to worship with uh, our community in uh, Corona And as I was preparing, uh, getting ready to go, um, the Lord gave me this this theme, this message. And I'm like, I'm not even speaking today, Lord. My dad's speaking, you know. So I had to, I started to write things down and and everything started to come together. And uh, it's really the, the theme for tonight. And the theme tonight is called Leading Your Children Out of Egypt, A Call to Fathers. I'll say it again, leading your children out of Egypt, a call to fathers. There's a continuous reminder to fathers throughout the scriptures um, for them to teach uh, and to lead. And we see it in the beginning of the Torah. The Torah, um, as, as we know in Judaism, is the first five books of Moses, as we call it. But for me, the Torah is Genesis to Revelation, um, which means instruction. And we see uh, this thread, this common thread uh, in the beginning and through the prophets and even, of course, into the New Covenant. We think of Ephesians chapter 6 where it says, you know, fathers don't irritate your children, uh, but, you know, instruct them. And so um, I want to begin in the beginning, uh, the book of Moses. And uh, in, in Judaism, how many of you are familiar with a prayer called the Shema? Could you just raise your hand? just want to see um, who knows a little bit. Some of you are dangerous. And, um, the Shema is basically, um, it encapsulates the heart uh, for all these years, the monotheistic uh, belief that there is one God. And uh, we know that God has revealed himself, you know, as God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Um, but... The Shema is, is something that I, I want to begin there. That's where I felt the Lord wanted me to go. And it, it basically says this. In Hebrew, it says, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, which means, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. Can everyone say, the Lord is one? And then it says, Baruch Shem Kevod Malchuto Le'olam Vayed. Uh, and may, uh, may his greatness be... Re, um, may, what is it? No, I'm just kidding. Blessed be his glorious name, whose kingdom is forever and ever. And it doesn't end there. What's amazing is that it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, say heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words that I command you today, it says you are to, uh, you are to teach them to your, say children. You are to teach them diligently to your children. And it says you shall speak of them. When you sit at home, when you walk along the, ra- uh, the road, when you lie down, when you rise up. And then it says, you shall bind them as a sign upon your hands. They shall be frontless between your eyes. And then it talks about putting them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So does that cover everything? 
How many of you know that pretty much it's saying consume yourselves and teach the, the instruction to the generations? And this is really all taken from passages from Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, Deuteronomy 11, and also Numbers chapter 15. As we transition to the Passover Exodus account, which Pastor uh, Michael asked me, every year families all around the globe um, celebrate the Passover Seder. How many of you have ever experienced a Passover Seder? Okay, wonderful. How many of you were here about two years ago when we did one here? Okay, there was, there's quite a few of you, wonderful. How many of you love the horseradish? Be honest. Really, we're gonna have to talk after. You could lay hands on me, but you know, the, the point is that um, the, the Seder plate, in fact, pastor has one in his office, it encapsulates the story. But all of us kind of have our own plate. What I mean by that, it's our own story. And God's developing that story every day that he gives us life. But what the Lord really showed me is, is this. It's really simple. The same way that Moses led the children out of Israel, out of the Egyptian bondage, and he was to lead them to the promised land, there's a huge need. There's a huge lack for fathers from every home to lead their children out of the mass chaos of cultural confusion towards a biblical worldview. We need to switch and show and demonstrate to our children that there is a biblical worldview that makes sense over all of the chaos. And basically, my personal belief is that a person's worldview influences their whole life, and the hour is urgent. How many of you know that the hour is urgent? Absolutely so. More than 20 million children live in a home without a physical presence of a father. Millions more have dads who are physically present, but they are emotionally checked out. And if it were classified as a disease, you could almost say that fatherlessness would be an epidemic worthy of attention and even a national emergency. The impact of fatherlessness, especially in our culturally uh, confused society, can be seen in our homes, in our schools, definitely in our prisons, and the list goes on. And without exaggeration, it's fair to say that the fatherlessness that we see and are experiencing today is associated with almost every societal ill. There's something going on, and we should know why things are happening. This is not like everything, but it's a big part. So I want to share with you, how do we address this epidemic this fatherlessness, and I have, I have the answer. Everyone ready? In your home. Say, in your home. In your home. In your home. And I'm gonna tie this into the Passover because that's what we were speaking about. The very place where God instructed Moses and Aaron to instruct all of the Israelites was in their what? In their homes, where they would actually take the blood of the Passover lamb, and what would they do? They would put it on the sides and on the top of the doorframe, and if they had the blood of the lamb on the doorposts, when they were instructed to do so, the death angel would do what? Pass over. Exactly. Um, so this has everything to do with Passover. Specifically, um, by the way, um, it's important to know that God didn't uh, uh, smite, he didn't kill uh, he was the one that instructed for the death angel to go out and to examine the homes that were covered. God's always the one that is instructing us. Amen? 
So this teaching um, is very important because we, um, this is called a Haggadah. I know it sounds it's kind of strange. Say Haggadah. So um, when people go to a Passover Seder, they have this book. And what do, what do you think we do? We read through the story of the Exodus. And the Haggadah, the word Haggadah means the telling. So we tell the story. And in the Haggadah, right in the beginning of this um, the telling of the story of the Exodus, we come to a place called the Manishtana, which is called the four questions. It's funny because uh, when my eldest son called me and he goes, Dad, you're not going to have me do anything, right? So I'm going to have him come up here and sing the four questions, which I'm not going to actually do. <laughs> I might be walking home tonight, but actually I drove on my own. But uh, So there's in the very beginning of the Haggadah, as we're telling the story, there is something called the four questions, and it's the four questions that children ask. And it comes from Exodus chapter 12, if you're taking notes, verse 26 through 28, it says, and when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, I don't know. That does, that's not what the scripture says, but that's what most people say today when children ask questions. I don't know. Go on the internet, figure it out for yourself. Or Rabbi Google, I call it, right? Um, but basically, Moses was addressing the elders. He was addressing the men, the fathers who had children, who had, were supposed to have the answers. And the text says this, you shall say it is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. So he, they're tell, you're supposed to tell the story. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and they worshiped. Isn't that wonderful? So our children, this is what I really feel and sense from the Lord. Our children have more than four questions today. Our children today have lots of questions. They have questions on same-sex attraction. Why is it wrong? Isn't it loving to allow others to love whoever they want? Um, they're asking about integrity. Can they trust societal institutions from the media to big tech? Can they trust uh, Congress, those who are elected? They're asking about morality, but how do you ask about morality in a porn-saturated culture? So, you know, there's questions like, is it wrong? Is it right? Um, what about uh, societal uh, social justice? What does that mean? How do you define that? And then what about the antagonistic response to a biblical worldview. Have you noticed? Anytime you try to share the truth of God's word, there is something called resistance. But yet there's an openness because there are so many people who are hungry for the truth. How many of you know that? And God wants to use all of you to reach them with the truth. Fathers, I guess I'm just trying to say that you need to have some answers. Can I hear some amen from the fathers? I don't want to be the only one up here, okay? Um, you need to have the answers, not your opinions, but your, the answers from God's word, amen? And, and if, you're not, but you're, if you're not in God's word, if you're not familiar with God's word, if you don't have those answers, what a great time, which is the season of Passover that we're currently in, leading up into the resurrection of our Messiah, of Jesus, right? Leading up to Easter on Sunday, that basically... What a time to get right with God as fathers. What a time to really start to seek the Lord in a way 
that we've never done before because there's a hurting world and we can make a difference. Some of you fathers know you could make a huge difference. Amen? I got one amen. How many of you are football fans? Maybe I'll go there for a while. Anybody, any football fans? Okay, how many of you remember the old uh, fame uh, football coach Vince Lombardi? Right? Yeah, you could praise, not, don't praise Vince Lombardi, but when, uh, the Green Packer, when the Green Bay Packers were on a horrible uh, losing streak, what did he do? He goes, gentlemen, this is a, what did he say? This is a football. Now, what a strange thing to hold up a pigskin. It's not even kosher, right? Um, uh, hold up a pigskin to a team and tell them, hey, gentlemen, this is a football. Do you get it? You're losing. Do you know what the game is all about? And I felt the Lord wanted me to share with you guys my version. Fathers, this is the Bible. This is the Bible, and we need to know it. Amen? This is the Bible, and we need to know God's word because it is plan A, and there is no plan B. How many of you know that? When you know that there's a plan B, isn't it easy to think, I think I could kind of, you know, kind of squeeze out of what I got to do. But when there's no plan B, what do you think you're going to stick to? You're going to stick to plan A because God's will is going to be accomplished no matter what. Isn't that wonderful? But how many of you want to be on his side? How many of you want to be serving the great and mighty king? Amen? We want to be doing the work of the kingdom of our God. So basically, I started to think Moses had a mission. What was his mission? He was... God told him, go to Pharaoh, and here is what Adonai, the God of the Hebrews, says. This is what Moses was to say. Let my people, so that they can what? Worship me. How many of you know the story? You're familiar with it. And um, there is a pool. There is a pool, a pooling on the souls and on the hearts of our children right now in our culture. And it's, it's very, it's a lot of bondage. It's like, it reminds me of what the Israelites had to experience in Egypt, but it's a, it's a soulish kind of bondage. And we have to learn, we have to teach our children how to leave that kind of atmosphere. Does that make sense? We need to, um, we need to lead like Moses did. Um, we need to pray on behalf of our families. I believe one of the things that I, I felt very strongly to share is that like Michael, one of the ruling angels in the book of Job, when, he was, uh, when the adversary was coming against them, he said, may Adonai rebuke you. May the Lord rebuke you. This is one of the greatest angels. He didn't say, I rebuke you. He said, may the Lord rebuke you, because it's the Lord that fights our battles. We just sing that, right? And then when Yeshua, Jesus, was taken into the wilderness and he was tempted, the words was, Away from me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. And basically, once he used his authority, what did he do? He quoted the Torah. He quoted the scriptures. Because there's power in the word of God. Is it not a double-edged sword? Is it not alive? How many of you know these, this word is alive? But it needs to be alive within us. And we need to hide it in our hearts that we not sin against God. Now, as leaders of our home, we need to take a stand against Satan and all of the tactics that are around us through authority that we have been given. How do we do that? We do that through prayer. We do that through study and instruction. And how many of you know 
Fathers, we need to lead by example. And by the way, if you don't have answers, I want you to know, don't you worry, because social media will answer all the questions that your children have. How many of you know this? How many of you have children that are on their phone? Yeah, they're just on the phone five minutes a day, right? From Instagram to what? TikTok to everything else. That stuff has their attention. And somehow we need to redirect their attention to him instead of this way. Does that make sense? We need to get them from here looking up to him. And somehow we need to find a way, creative ways to do that. And one of the best ways, I believe, is through our example. Um, Some of you fathers are like, okay, who is this rabbi? I'm just the messenger. I'm just bringing forth what I shared with the pastor, Michael, what I wanted to share. But now that you've heard, whether you're here or you're watching online, you're responsible to take action and to have the heart of God to do this leadership. We need, to, we need more uh, fathers that are going to lead righteously. Amen? Is this an easy time to raise children? Have there been harder times to raise children? How many of you think? Has it always been hard to raise children? Okay, but especially in, in, the, uh, in the, the technology age that we have, you know, the social media and everything. Not that I, I'm not against uh, social media. I just believe that there needs to be boundaries. But um, it's a hard time to raise children. We're faced with all these societal issues that counter the biblical worldview. Um, I've done youth camps for how long, honey? maybe like 18 years, something like that. I've done youth camps, mainly from like 12, like, like usually it's the bat mitzvah age, 12, bar mitzvah is 13, about to 18. I've done camps. We've had, you know, camps go from big to little, you know. It's, uh, but, you know, every year it's just been something that we, we want to do. We want to pour into our youth. And uh, I've noticed that, you know, a lot of the questions from our youth have shifted from how should I live to why should I live? You know, it used to be like, how should I live? What should I do for a living? Now it's like, why should I even live? They need direction. They need support. Amen? Children need a home of, uh, that's a refuge, a place that's safe, a place to decompress uh, or from all the chaos. But every year, it seems like statistics. I, I know your pastor probably knows these better than I do. The statistics are showing higher levels of stress, anxiety, depression, unfortunately, even suicide and from students now all the way from elementary all the way into college. This has got to change. Otherwise, if we can't empower the next generation, who's going to take the mantle? It's, it's, no one's going to take the mantle. We need to empower our children because we want them to follow the God, our God. Amen? Why is he called the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? Because all of them had to wrestle with the same God and make that personal relationship. Amen? All right. Um, Did you know that Egypt was the most powerful nation of that age? There was no greater powerful nation. And I wanted you to think about this. The Exodus is about these enslaved Hebrew people that triumphed over paganism. Can you imagine that? They triumphed over paganism um, of the time. They defeated all the false gods. How many of you know there were many, many false gods from the sun to the Nile, they were all gods. 
And how many of you know there was a lot of superstition back in the time of the Egyptians and, and a lot of magic? And if you know the story, what were the magicians doing every time Moses did something? Weren't they du- duplicating it? Up to a certain point where they said, whoa, we can't, we can't duplicate. This is the finger of God. So God showed himself that, yeah, magic and all that stuff only goes so far, but my power, it's eternal. Does that make sense? So God basically declared that he was the Lord over all the earth. Amen? And he remains Lord over all the earth and forever will be. Isn't that good news for us? Amen. Um, This call of Moses, he had to come to grips with it. Um, And many fathers are are overwhelmed today, and I understand because I'm a father. Um, And Moses was overwhelmed when he was told by God, you're going to go to Pharaoh and you're going to do this and that. What did he do? He came up with excuses. And what were some of the excuses he said? He goes, they won't listen to me. And then he also said, I'm a poor speaker. And I thought to myself, what do, why do mo- most fathers give up? What do they usually say? The same things. I've heard so many fathers say, well, Rabbi, it's too late. My children are too far gone. They just won't listen to me. I really never knew how to communicate with them. And who could see the connection? I call it the Moses syndrome. And here's a word for fathers or men who are thinking about this before I just told you that Moses beat you to it, okay? God didn't allow Moses off the hook. Did he? No. And I pray that he will not do, let you off the hook either because he wants you to take your rightful authority, your place. And you may say this, and I've heard this as well. Well, I, didn't, I really didn't have a father to, to guide me and lead me and to teach me. Is that an excuse? Guess what? Don't worry about it. Let's go back to the Exodus. God will send you an Aaron. God will send you an Aaron. What did, what did God do when Moses came up with those excuses? He goes, I'm going to give you Aaron. What was Aaron going to help him do? Fulfill the, uh, the, the mission. Okay? Now, you might ask, who's your Aaron? Well, Pastor Michael is like an Aaron, right? He's someone that could help and guide you. You have elders. And I'm sure that there are men in this congregation who could be like an Aaron that could help those who haven't been raised, you know, with the right fathering um, and the instruction from the Word of God, we should be able to help one another on this journey of life, raising our children. Um, everything in life is about preparation. How many of you know this? It's about preparation, a different stage. Just like the Exodus had preparations, um, in Exodus chapter 12, beginning with verse 3, Listen to the preparations. It says, tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each eat, you shall count for the lamb. Your lamb will be without blemish, a male, a year old. And it goes on to say that uh, you're going to keep this lamb until the 14th day of the month, which is with the month of Nisan. And when the whole assembly of the congregation at, of Israel at twilight will then slaughter the lamb. And I want to share with you what I feel in, is, is really important. I call it the Passover father connection. You need to know the lamb of God. Amen. You need to know the lamb of God who takes away what? The sin of the world. 
and who took our sins. You know, as a father, I need to share with my children how, that, how they could deal with their sin, right? How do we deal with our sin? We take it to the cross, right? We ask God to forgive us through his son. We have to show this. We have to demonstrate this. We have to instruct our children in the ways of the Lord. We need to show them how to leave Egypt. That's what the Lord impressed on me. How are you supposed to leave Egypt? How did the children of Israel eventually leave Egypt? Does anyone want to take a guess? Can, what's that? Through God's mighty hand and quickly. In fact, that's where we get that really wonderful thing called matzah, which no one likes unless you put a little butter on it. There, were, there was no time for the dough to rise. So they were, uh, they, were like t- they were getting out of Egypt. They weren't taking their time. And I believe with all my heart, we need to share with our children, don't dabble in Egypt. Don't dabble in the old stuff. Leave that stuff. Leave it behind and run from it. Does that make sense? Just like God, he wanted, he wanted to take that, his people out of this place of bondage, and he wanted to take them into a wilderness so he could have a honeymoon with them. Because he wanted to strip Israel away from all of the stuff that they had been inundated with for all those years and finally come to a place where he could say, I'm your God. Isn't that beautiful? I'm your God and I want you to trust me now. I'll take care of your shoes. I'll take care of your clothes. I'll feed you. I'll do everything. But you're going to learn to lean on me. And that's the story. That's really a big part of the story. And I feel the same way that we have to show our children how to leave Egypt, how to leave the bondage of this world. And I thought about what the uh, Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8. He said, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the what? The flesh. And for those who live according to the Spirit, what do they do? They set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Does that make sense? And basically, those who are in the flesh, how many of you know you can't please God? We need to teach our children, that you can't live a worldly life and please God. You've got to give your all to him, just like we were singing today or just a little while ago. One of my favorite things to do with my family whenever I could do it, now it's kind of tough because I've got three teenagers, is to do the, the family devotion. How many of you fathers, mothers do that? Family devotion time. I think that's so important, no matter how old they are. Um, I love to do that because we pray together, we, and then I share with them from the word, whatever the Lord is impressing on my heart. And um, I think what's important is for, uh, at least in my, the way I see it, is that um, I need to keep that an open avenue with my children of, of reminding them who we serve, that we serve the God of all creation, amen? And that, yeah, this world could definitely distract you. How many of you know this? So we need to bring them back into a place of reality of like, all of this that you're doing is all good. You know, whatever, if they're doing anything, that's good. And yet the most important good is that you got to know who your God is. Amen. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he's old, he will not what? He will not depart from it or she will not depart from it. Um, how, how many of you know training takes time? Training takes time, okay? Um, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon, okay? And basically, it's a continual guidance and instruction to keep our children on the path, on a path away from 
that sinfulness that tries to so easily entangle them and all of us, by the way. It's not just them. But um, we need to teach them how to get untangled from all that stuff so that, as, as, as Moses told Pharaoh, so that he, they could worship me. Isn't that what he said ultimately? He goes, tell, tell Pharaoh to let my people go so that they can what? Worship me. What does God want from us? He wants our worship. And somehow we need to convey to our children that whatever it is that's holding you back from worshiping God, um, you got to put that aside. you got to leave that behind. And it's important for us to teach that over and over until it sticks. So guess what, fathers? Your guidance will be of influence until your last breath. Amen? We're always going to be fathers. We're always going to be guiding our children. So don't look for shortcuts, guys, but look for opportunities to make impact on your children because they're looking at what you say. They look at what you do. You know what I'm saying? I know, for me, I know all eyes are on me. They, my kids watch me pretty carefully. And, uh, and I'm thinking, that's a little bit too careful because they got some good memories, right? They could bring up some stuff. But I'm going to share something about that uh, in a little bit. But once Moses left the children of, uh, once Moses led the children out of Egypt, they went from Ramses to Sukkot, and then he went to this place called Etam. Was he done at that point? When, he, when they set up a little camp, was he ever done? No, he wasn't done. In fact, Moses had to learn how to handle moments of unrest and great terror from when Pharaoh started to come uh, at them. They were, he was closing in with the army. So what happened? God parted the sea. And then what happened right after that? They started to grumble. And then they went to something, a place called the Seen Desert where they thought they were going to starve to death. The dynamics are the same in fathering. How many of your kid, kids always say, Dad, I'm starving? My kids are always starving. How many of your kids are always starving? They always are ready to eat. And that's okay. That's a good thing. But it's the same dynamics in leading a family. Aren't, is, don't we have to deal with quarreling? Don't we have to deal with fighting? And as fathers, we need to understand and demonstrate along the journey that transitions always come with change. Say that with me. Transitions always come with change, and change brings greater trust. Say change brings greater trust. So fathers, how are you handling those frustrating moments on the journey of leading your family? And I'm not saying that we're supposed to be perfect because none of us are. Um, I've made mistakes. Uh, I've made some mistakes along the way. Just go ahead and ask my family. Uh, just don't get too inquisitive. But basically, um, I've learned this over time. Allow those painful experiences, painful because of the way that you handled them, and turn them into a learning curve where we learn to have a greater uh, leaning on the Lord, basically a greater intensity, a greater pursuit of God. Like, I need to know, Lord, how do I figure this out? Have you noticed that Moses, uh, most of the time, when he was frustrated with the people, with the children of Israel, what would he often do? He would just fall to the, to the floor. He'd, just say, he'd cry out to God. And I think that's a good place for fathers, crying out to God, asking him, Lord, what do I do? Because there's a lot of times we come to a crossroads, and we don't know what to do. But he does. Isn't that the good news? God knows what he's doing. And um, 
You know, we need to watch our attitudes. We, not, we need to make sure that we don't lose our cool like Moses did when he was fed up with the children of Israel. How many of you remember that, that part? In fact, why don't you turn with me to Numbers chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, or I don't know if you put it up here on the screen, but Numbers chapter 20, verse 10. Listen to this. It says, Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. I'm sure we've never said that to our kids, right? Hear now, you rebels. Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and he struck the rock with his staff twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you didn't believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring the assembly into the land that I have given them. How many of you think that sounds a little unfair? Because he had, he had a good track record. And yet, how many of you know Moses did make it? How many, how many know Moses made it? When you read the New Covenant, uh, when Yeshua meets with Elijah, right, and Moses, and the apostles are like, hey, should I set up some tents here? He made it. God is faithful. So the point is that there was a, the, 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 the Passover father connection is that there's a price to pay when we, when we as fathers react in anger or violence. We need to learn to take a breath once in a while or a lot often. How many know sometimes it helps just to be like, okay, I got this, right? Or God, you got this, right? How many of you know it's good to just take a moment and figure it out, not react, and to trust the Lord? How many of you ever taken a walk? This is all stuff that I need to work on myself. Or call on your pastor, your elders, or a trustworthy friend, a mentor, but avoid the trap which could happen to all of us. And by the way, with all my heart, I believe We've all made mistakes. Moses made mistakes. So I think the important thing for us as fathers to know is that we're forgiven. Amen, fathers? And everyone, we're all forgiven. And if we're forgiven, that just means that we will ask God for his help not to repeat those same mistakes over and over. And I think that when we do that, um, when we, we know that we're forgiven, we can now give our children one of the greatest gifts. And you know what that gift is? the gift of repentance, where we could teach our children that when we make mistakes, we could say sorry. How many of you know that that's kind of a strange notion for some people, but it's beautiful and it's healing because one day they're going to need to say the same to their children. In fact, I told them just a few weeks ago, I said, I know this without a shadow of a doubt. One day I told my kids, you're going to be parents, God willing. We say in Hebrew, Bezrat Hashem, with God's strength. And one day, you're going to need the forgiveness of your children. And I said, so I want to encourage you, don't burn the bridge that you are going to have to cross one day yourself. So be forgiving when I make mistakes. Be forgiving when your mom makes mistakes, because we're very imperfect people. And learn to understand this one thing. We just love you guys, and we're doing our best. Does that make sense? And I think that's the heart of a good parent. You know, so we, we have to have a, a good open exchange of forgiveness in our home. And I think that's healthy. I really do. And um, even our mistakes, I think, could be redemptive. Uh, teaching moments, how to teach our children how to make things right, because that helps them to be well-rounded when they have children or just in the workplace. And I believe we could do this, fathers, but it's not going to be easy but with God's help, it's possible. Amen?
The healthier our fathering, the better off we're gonna be in our marriages, raising our children. And I don't believe this has anything to do with favoring fathers over mothers or men over women. I'm just sharing my heart to you because I believe that it's about God's order according to his word. I've often said this and I'll say it again. When God chose Israel as a people who I believe he still is going to, he continues to call because he's a covenantal God. When God called Israel, did he call them because they were this great nation, that there was just this great people? No, he called them because he wanted them to lead the other nations to him. How many of you know that? That's the role of Israel, even to this day. And I believe, I told people, the same way that God loves Israel, the same as all of the nations, tribes, and tongues, he loves a, a husband or a man and a woman the same thing, the same way too. But he's given different responsibilities, covenantal responsibilities, and certain responsibilities to Israel and also to the men and also to the woman. Does that make sense? But he loves everyone equally. He's a, he's a fair God. But he wants us to know our role. He wants us to know what uh, is required of us. And I think that's important. We can't afford to go contrary to God's design, which our society is trying to do. Have you noticed society is just trying to overrule everything that God has established in his, in his word? And we've got to take a, a righteous stand in this day because I know that this world will continue to try and try and try, but they will fail. Our God will prevail. Our God will prevail. And one of the main problems within the body of Christ is, a re, is the, the result of acting in opposition of the order that God established so we have negative consequences, but may it not be so with this community nor communities of faith. So I'm gonna close with this. As the Passover season and as the, the, the resurrection season is upon us this weekend, I wanna encourage you, let's throw behind uh, those things which hinder our walk with God. May we never forget, we, may we never forget that the Exodus literally foreshadows the greatest act of God's grace in all of history, which is Yeshua, Jesus' death and resurrection. It's a foreshadow. It's a foreshadowing. And this event that foreshadows, this very event foreshadows our Exodus from sin and death which is experienced by all those who believe in Yeshua. So I want to encourage you that in Yeshua, in Jesus, we're more than conquerors. Say that with me today or tonight. We are more than conquerors, amen? We are more than conquerors. And so whatever you're facing right now, whatever the problem, remember this, our God is greater, amen? Our God is greater. And if we place our trust in him, if we place our trust in him, he will deliver us. He will. Is he not the same God yesterday, today, and forever? And so didn't he deliver the children of Israel? Well, he'll deliver you too, but you got to trust him. You've got to lean on him. Hey, only God could take a bunch of ragtag Hebrew slaves, get this, a bunch of nobodies, and use them to defeat the mightiest nation on the planet, on, the, on earth. Does that make sense? These were slaves, ragtag, they were nobodies, and God said, I'm going to use this people and overturn their whole world. You know, Egypt was turned upside down. You know, there was 10 plagues. By the 10th plague, which was the death, the, the plague of the firstborn, that place was, was like jacked up. How many of you know this? That's why even some of the 
uh, people that were Egyptians said, I'm, we're going with you. <laughs> we're going with you guys. This guy, this, these guys got the right God. They just, we're just, we're left with nothing. So our God, if he could do that, guess what? He could use all of us for his glory. Okay, amen. So our God could take the most broken father and reestablish that father and make him a pillar in the home again. Isn't that wonderful? Where there's stability, where there is a, a sense of unity with, with the, the wife, where there's a sense of unity uh, among the children. He could take dysfunctional families and bring them into unity and harmony, and he is gracious. How many of you know God is merciful? And I just pray that as, as, as fathers who are here and fathers who are watching, that you have a huge role in the process of, of this journey of life. And I really believe, and I sense that this is the heart of God um, as, he, as he, you know, gave this word to me, that you need to just take, accept your responsibility. And even if you've messed up, just repent whatever you've done. And even if you have to make things right with your children that, that, that have uh, been severed away from you, whatever you could do, just try, just know that God will help you if you just take that step. If you just take that step to make things right, amen? Because if, if, if we don't lead our families, men, they're gonna be led astray. And the pressures of this world are just all around us. And we've gotta take action tonight. We've got to take action today. And I think in this week of, uh, is it Holy Week, right? Uh, the, for, for us, it's the same kind of thing. But the, the season of Passover, it's all about getting rid of the leaven, all, getting rid of the sinful stuff so that we could be like matzah, which is like, which is unleavened, which means like we could be who God wants us to be. He wants us to be the righteousness of his son, Yeshua. And I believe that that's the, the goal. And we need to, to hear what God's saying tonight. And um, I just pray that his kingdom come and his will be done in us for his glory. Amen. And I just pray, um, Abba, that um, as it says, Lord, that for yours is the glory, the honor, and the power now and forever. Amen. So, Lord, just bless uh, this message uh, to all the fathers that... Uh, are watching, but not just the fathers, there's mothers, there's single moms, and there's people that are just at different levels of, of family dysfunctionality. Lord, I just pray your grace. I pray your mercy upon all these homes. Lord, that, that, that I see so many homes that are being destroyed. Um, I, I think of the Exodus. I think of like that, that angel of death. It's just destroying homes. But I pray that people will come to know Christ, people will come to know Yeshua. People will come to know Jesus and they'll accept him into their hearts that he's the one who died for me and that now he passes over our sins. He forgives our sins. He cleanses us. And then we bring that, that hope into a home and we bring the order of God into a home so that he could be glorified. How many of you know this is God's plan? Amen. So, Abba, I just thank you for this, and I thank you for this opportunity to have shared tonight. Bless this community, Lord. Bless all of the marriages, all of the homes, the children uh, here. I see lots of children of all different ages, Lord. Let this place be fruitful and multiply for your glory. In the name of Yeshua.